there are RPGs long forgotten beyond that which is known to the modern gamer. It is a catalog vast as space and timeless as myth and legends. It is the middle ground where panelists from RP Gamer discuss computer and console RPGs from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. This is a dimension of adventure beyond your imagination. This is the RPG Backtrack. And here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Philip Willis and Mike Meeky. Welcome to RPG Backtrack number 39. This is our Blast from the Recent Past monthly podcast where we talk about games, RPGs that came out two years ago. We review them so that uh, if you happen to miss out on any of these gems or duds, you will be appropriately apprised. And you can go back and buy them if you're going to go back and, well, you don't want to buy the duds. But if you go back and buy the good ones, uh, you can probably find them for a really, really good price. And uh, we have a lot of games to talk about tonight, and to help me talk about is my good friend, Mr. Michael Apps. Welcome back, Mr. Hey, Apps. <laughs> Feels like we've just done this. <laughs> it does feel like we've just done this. I wonder why. I don't know. <laughs> Woo, doggy. So we're going to get we're gonna get right into it. We're not going to be fancy with the transitions tonight. We're just going to go right into our first games. we got a long list of games here. So, yeah. yeah, so let's talk about, first one on the list is Rune Factory Frontier. And is that the one on the DS or the Wii? That's the one on the Wii. It's the one on the Wii. Did you get a chance to play that guy? Uh, I did buy it, and I think I bought it not all that long after it came out. You know, played it for a little bit and, you know, said I'd come back to it after I finished the DS one, which I never finished. So. <laughs> did, did you put it in the system? I did put it in the system, I played it a bit, and it seemed it appeared to be, you know, just a nicer version of the portable so, so factory. Would you say you played it for about twenty minutes? I would say I played it for about twenty Guess minutes. Guess what? Same for you? Same for me. Look, let's do a high five. <laughs> Woohoo! High five. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo. Uh, but our good friend Mr. T- Mr. Tom Goldman did play it all the way through. Because he had to. He was reviewing it. <laughs> so yeah, Room Factory Frontier is a Wii iteration. <coughs> excuse me, pardon me, of the uh, Harvest Moon uh, uh, spin-off series that did that's been doing really well on the on the DS. I think they're up to the third one now, where you can become a sheep somehow. Um, <laughs> rumor has it. Um, yep. And that just came out a few months ago, right? Mm, yeah, I believe it did. Yeah, and and I actually heard it actually is reviewing uh, pretty well for the most part. But uh, Room Factory Frontier didn't do too bad either. It's so if you don't know, for those of you who missed our huge podcast about Harvest Moon, the Harvest Moon games, you're normally playing a character uh, that has a farm and can plant plants and, and whatnot. And there's some RPG elements in the way that you, uh, as you're playing, the, as you're planting your farm and you're reviving it, you're somehow helping out the town. Uh, you also get to interact with the ladies that are over there and, and build up friendships with them for the most part, unless you're playing a girl, then you do it with the boys. <laughs> and uh, in some of the games, you can get married, have kids, and the whole nine yards. Uh, I, and on top of that, you're buying, uh, eventually you start buying chickens and cows and whatnot. And for Japanese, there's a really big appeal to this game, I imagine, since they all live in cities and the idea of a farm is really far-fetched from them. And it's also had its own audience here in America. 
Um, but, you know, for us, we tend to like a little bit more action in our games, and that's where the Rune Factory series came in, because they added an extra element uh, of combat. And would you like to talk a little bit about how the, how the Rune Factory uh, spinoff changed the Harvest Moon formula? Sure. I mean, they could mostly talk from experience playing the first one, but uh, exactly. the, uh, you know, the combat and dungeon crawling is kind of integrated with the whole experience, which was really a surprise for me the first time I played the series because, you know, um, I don't know how if it's the same way in the Harvest Moon series, but you have like, a, you know, your st- stamina, which you need to use for harvesting your crops and things like that, which also... Uh, you need to use in combat in these games and you know there's a lot of things you can get in the various dungeons that help you out with your farm like you can find you know minerals and wood to build new tools and things like that and eventually um, you can uh, capture the monsters and they have them help you out on the farm so you know they just did a you know they easily could have just shoehorned in combat and just, you know, had it in there to try and get people to play the games. But they really did a good job of actually making it make sense in a Harvest Moon game. And I think they deserve a lot of credit for doing that. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of... It's a bit simplistic, but, you know, it does add a little bit of spice to the series. Um, have you Have you played any of them... Extensively, no. I, I I got a bit into the DS one. My wife was playing it a lot, so I got to watch her. And I, and as every once in a while, I'd just play around with it. If she had a tough spot, I'd go in and try to help her out because I'm a little bit faster with the reflexes and whatnot. So uh, I did. A, I did get to to definitely feel the DS version hands on, and and definitely to me, from what little I played it, it, it was definitely a better fit for my gaming style, and got me actually yeah, interested. Here. If I was going to go back and play Harvest Moon, and I've touched my, like my wife's been a big fan, and I've and I played with them a little bit here and there. I've watched her play, uh, but definitely seeing Rune Factory on the DS would that would be the one. If I was going to jump into one, that would be the one. Uh, so that's why when the Wii version came out, we went ahead and, and got got it. But just like you. I just actually haven't sat down and and taken the time to play it <laughs> more than twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's not a no- that's not a knock on these games because these are the kinds of things that you know are kind of slow to build up. So it's not something necessarily is going to hook you in right away. You kind of have to put a little investment in it to get the most out of it. Right. It's not going to be uh, something that grabs you you know by the nose and, and pulls you through. Um, but if you do take the time to get into it, you might find it hard to pull yourself away once you invest the initial 10 hours or so and and, yeah. Yeah, and whatnot. Um, you know, and, and so to talk a little bit more about, uh, about Room Factory Frontier, uh, Tom Goldman, who reviewed it for the site, uh, basically said that it has a lot of those strings carried over from the DS. Um, it gives you a lot of freedom as far as you know how, how much you're planting your crops, uh, when you can plant your crops. Uh, there's, it doesn't feel like it's forcing you into a linear storyline or anything like that. So that's, you know, that's good uh, because some of the Harvest Moon games feel more definitely more linear and forced than others. Um, but you, you, uh, the game is definitely about uh, time management, and you do have seasons, and those seasons are divided into days, and, and each day is composed of 24 hours, uh, and so that's that's been a staple of the series all the way through, and it's very paramount in this game, he says. Um, if you stay up too late, you'll, you can become sick, uh, you have your stamina you have to be concerned about, whether you're engaged in combat or you're 
planning farms or you're crafting things or whatever have you, you got to pay attention to uh, managing your stamina as well as your time and going back and forth. Um, now, there is there is one one uh, one characteristic or one uh, thing about the game that he really gets into, which might be new because I don't remember seeing this in my limited experience with the DS version. There's these things called runies. You ever heard of these things before? Uh, no, I think that is something that's only in the Wii game. Yeah, apparently there are these unless, li- unless they put it in the third game. Yeah, well, uh, apparently there are these little you know critter type things that you kind of sort of manage: uh, grass, air, water, rock. Uh, uh, runies are populating each one of those uh, regions, and certain runies will eat each other. Some will multiply faster than others, and if you manage your population well, it can make your grow, crops grow faster, um, but if they're out of control or they're not balanced well, um, then they can actually make the, you know, the, your things will actually grow slower. Um, you can you can kind of balance them using an object called a harvester, but apparently that's a slow and tedious uh, tool to, to use in order to take care of these things. Um, and um, and he said that the problem is that the Rooney balance can only be checked in specific locations and not at the act of transference, uh, mandating the annoying habit of having to keep good notes handy. Um, and other times they seem to multiply or die for unknown reasons. It sounds like they were kind of adding another layer of complication to the game that perhaps didn't need to be there. I mean, it, it, adding the complication of dungeon crawling was cool, but adding another layer, I think, on top of that kind of set the game back a step from reading Tom's review. But he was still... It's a lot to manage. Yeah, it's a lot to manage, precisely. But he said, aside with that aside, it's still a pretty fun game. Uh, it's still a deep experience that includes the farming, the dungeon crawling, the fishing, the crafting, and all that other fun stuff that we've come to know and enjoy about the Rune Factory and Harvest Moon series. And overall, he gave it a, a thumbs up with a 3.5 out of 5. So... Um, pretty sounds like a pretty decent game overall, despite some of its setbacks. Though, if you have a DS, you might want to check out. Uh, you might want to spend your time with those guys first, and only maybe fall back on this guy uh, on this game if you really have some more time to kill and you're just dying for some more. That's what I gather, anyways. Yeah. So that brings us to the next game on our list: Pokemon Platinum. And I, I, and I almost want to say this with a little bit of a pause breath just because I just got through not too long ago spending a whole podcast <laughs> talking about Pokemon games. And I still got those songs stuck in my head. Uh, so, uh, so, um, <laughs> so Pokemon Platinum for the DS. Oh, you know, we forgot to do the official game uh, introduction thingy that I usually do. Oh well, we'll do uh, we'll do that one here. Well, I won't go back with Broom Factory, but Pokemon Platinum uh, was developed by Game Freak, published by Nintendo, and this was released here on March twenty second, two thousand and nine. It's a console RPG rated E for everybody, despite the fact that it has a big scary scorpion centipede on the front. <laughs> I, I don't think the series or even the game itself needs much in for introduction, uh, Mike. But uh, no. for perhaps, no. perhaps what you could do, because I know you're pretty familiar with this title, right? Uh, unfortunately. So perhaps what you could do is is before you give us your overall impression of the game, why don't you tell us what makes this stand out from Diamond and Pearl? Since it's kind of like the the gold edition of Diamond and Pearl. As far as I could tell, nothing. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> the end. Game over. 
Uh, I know there were some extra features added to it, but uh, I don't think it was anything too substantial. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As as is usually the case with these, really, you know, the history of these Pokemon releases, like Pokemon Yellow and uh, what was the one on Game Boy Advance? Uh, Emeralds. Uh, that was oh hell, I don't remember. Ruby and Emerald th- or something? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's pretty much you know. Just a slightly improved version of the previous two releases. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, and... I just can't get into Pokemon anymore, and I keep trying. And maybe... And I think with black and white, I finally decided to just give up. Dude, it's black and white. It is awesome. <laughs> you go back and you play that now. It has three-on-three battles. Make it so. Well... Well, I mean, the the only one I actually like was in black and white, so maybe that's a sign that I should try the, this one. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on uh, this particular Pokemon iteration? Um. Well, I did get to. I did get to. I did get to play some platinum. And I don't know what really separates it from Diamond and Pearl, to be honest with you. Um, I, I remember reading something about one of the reviews that there was a little bit more Wi-Fi stuff that you could do, though. I, I don't know exactly what it is. I guess you, people will have to Google it and whatnot. Uh, there was a uh, distortion world of some sort, but I wasn't. I didn't get anywhere towards that, so I'm not even enough of an expert to, to talk about that. Uh, there was, I think, some Battle Frontier or something or rather that, that – uh, I remember, it's just a couple things I remember reading here and there in reviews because I was looking specifically at those differences. Um, but mostly when I was playing it, I didn't – like you, I kind of played it for a while and kind of got out of it because for me, uh, the big problem was just the pacing of the game. It's really funny because yeah. I had played I had played the original Pokemon on the Game Boy way back in the day, and I had gotten up to like 30th or 40th level before I stopped. And, and I stopped back way back in the day because even back then – it felt too deliberately paced, and it felt too simplistic. And yeah. I know it's deep in its own ways. I know there's the weaknesses in the strength system and all that other fun stuff. But in order to get to those good battles where maybe I actually have to use some of that more often when I'm fighting the gym leaders or something like that, I have to go through tedious battle after battle after battle <laughs> after battle against these no-name go-bats and things like that. And, uh, and, and, and half the time... They wouldn't give good XP because I was in a wrong area. It was just really, really slow. It took forever to get from place to place, and then the battles took forever to resolve. Um, I, I'm no, I'm okay with simplistic JRPG battle systems, like maybe like I was saying earlier, Dragon Quest IV um, in the other show. I just I needed to actually go faster, <laughs> and and Dragon yeah. Quest IV at least has the option to make the battle speeds fast, and you can get through them pretty quick. Um, so when I played po- the funny thing was when I played Pokemon uh, Platinum. I I, I, I I played it for like a few hours and I said, this isn't any different than the one that came out 15 years ago. <laughs> it, it's, yeah. it's got some colors, but I don't even think they had animations. Uh, and the sounds were the same. And the battle, the battles were still taking forever to get through. Uh, and I was just. That's, that's what really gets me, the sounds. Yeah, the sounds were horrendous. Even I recognized it yeah. with my short-term memory from 15 years ago. Um, I mean, they still do that with Dragon Quest, but at least it's kind of, you know, that's part of the charm there. 
And those battles go quicker. Mm-hmm. For that matter. So you're not, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. No, it's not, it's not even saying I think the Pokemon games are bad. I, I don't think they're bad at all. It's just, I don't know. Not my thing anymore, I suppose. Mm, yeah, maybe we just kind of out, you know, I, I almost want to say kind of outgrown it, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, if, if, if honestly, if there was, no, I, I remember one of the things we saw, and this is kind of off a tangent, but black and white, Platinum has the two-on-two, black and white has the three-on-three battles, and when I think about that uh, with their strengths and weaknesses involved, I can see that becoming a deeper and deeper RPG experience. Absolutely. The The challenge being that, in order to get to that, I still got to go through boring battles one-on-one, you know, one turn at a time, trying to split out XPs so the weaker Pokemon can get caught up in all this other tediousness still to get to those really cool battles. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not... So I'm just imagining those three-on-three battles being, like, incredibly slow. Yeah, so, the three on th- <laughs> so now the three-on-three battles go slower. That's funny. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, if you're looking, you know, obviously if you're a big, huge fan of the series and you really like the battles, don't listen to us. By all means, go out and grab Platinum if you haven't done so already, or better yet, just probably grab Black and White since it just hit the stores. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you're if you a Pokemon fan, though, you probably already got Platinum already. Um, if you're not, I'm not quite sure I'd rush back to get this one. I'd probably stick with, with Black and White, which is actually reviewing pretty well for the most part. It is ha- actually addressing some of our concerns to some extent. Um and and whatnot. So even though it reviewed Pokemon Platinum did review pretty well overall, especially for fans of the series, I would I would I would recommend right now probably taking a look at Black and White if you're really yeah. into that sort of thing. Absolutely. Okay. I even say um, the oh my god I forgot the name of the Pokemon that just came out last year. The remakes uh, Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Yes, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, I was able to get into those a little more than Platinum, so I'd even say if for some reason you don't want to go play Pokemon Black and White, at least play, you know, Heart Gold and Soul Silver before you play Platinum. Mm, fair enough. So let's move on to Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Echoes of Time for the Wii. We're hopping back onto the Wii again. Uh, this one is also developed and published by Square Enix. Uh, and it was released in North America March 24, 2009. And this is an action RPG. Actually, showing is this released on the Wii and the DS? Yes, it was released on the Wii and DS. And the Wii version is basically the DS version played through an emulator. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of terrible. Like the game, the game won't even fill up your entire screen. It's just kind of you know, the two DS screens magnified a bit and some empty space that's not really used at all. And you can kind of switch between either the top screen or the bottom screen being magnified, more or less, and basically. Don't buy that version. What about let's the... Just, let's just talk about the DS version. Let's talk about the DS version. <laughs> uh, so, the, you know, the, the Crystal Chronicles series up to that point had always been, you know, multi about multiplayer. And um, the biggest lack in the previous title was the lack of online, which they put into this game. 
um, which I've had a good amount of experience with, and it really works really well, and it's a lot of fun. You know, um, not that the Crystal Chronicle games are kind of the deepest action RPGs you'll find out of there, out there, but you know, they're simple and fun with kind of that classic Final Fantasy art style to give them a lot of charm, and you know, I had a lot of fun with this game. Really? Yeah. You didn't like it? Color me surprised. <laughs> and you didn't want to give Final Fantasy Legends 3 a perfect score on the last show. I, I, I don't understand you, my friend. I just – I don't know. Um, uh, no, no, actually, I didn't actually pick it up and play it just because when it was out and I was reading all the reviews, um, there seemed to be – it seemed to kind of go a little bit back and forth. Um, I think what really kind of got me was that I, I know me, I don't play with other people very often, um, outside yeah. of pen and paper. So, uh, and, and the, everything I had read regarding the AI of the other characters was a little disappointing. Um, it didn't really sound like it was a super fun experience to play alone. So it, no, I would, I would give you that. That, that's the only reason why I didn't actually spend a lot of, you know, a lot of time playing it myself. But, um, if you, it, 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 I will say that. From the reviews that I did read, I think a lot of the people would agree with you in that uh, in that it was a good game, assuming that you did have some people to play with. Um, yeah. I did, so you did play it with other people? Yes, and I think uh, all the time was over the internet, so you know, got to test that out and see what kind ah. of lag issues or anything there was uh-huh. like that, and you know, it worked pretty well. And you know, if when you, when you look over the DS library, there aren't a lot of, you know, co-op action RPGs to be had. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not going to say it's the best thing ever, but, you know, if you're looking for something to play with your friends, either online or, you know, on a bus ride or something, it's, you know, you could could do a lot worse in this game. And it's, you know... I just liked, you know, making uh, what were the like wizard characters? Ukes, I think. I just like making one of those, and then you can get like the classic black mage gear. You know, it's it's just got that that classic Final Fantasy charm to it. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like the old monster designs from like the 16-bit games. And, you know, that's kind of the whole. Charm for me for the Crystal Chronicles series is it feel it feels like it's a game out of that older era era. Yeah, I mean those were a lot of lot of fun games. I mean you look at um, okay, I'm not very good with the titles off the top of my head, but of course the, you know you have the Zelda game from back then and the um, oh what was that one Mana Secret Legend of Mana or Secret of Mana or whatever Secret that was. of Mana. I mean that's what it kind of when I saw this I think that was the first game that kind of came to my mind because that was a fun game I played with a, you know another friend next to me or something and, yeah. uh, and and that was just a really good game from top to bottom when I kind of saw this I thought of that unfortunately um, I don't have a f- local friends who are willing to sit around and play on the the DS and it, but it's interesting to hear that the internet was working really well with without uh, without the lag issues. Yeah, it, I was I was actually surprised. Hmm. So uh, so this one then sounds like something that maybe our gamers would want to pick up if um, if they have some friends that they uh, they can play it with um, either either online or you can always of course do that through whatever that infrared thing that they do is called or whatnot. <laughs> what, what is that mode called on the DS? Is it infrared or infra blue or 
I don't think that does it have infrared. It's just got like local local networking local, of some sort. Yeah. Well, and if you want to play with a friend, you now here's a really cool idea. I mean, back uh, you know back in the day, you'd go out and. I mean, when it came out, it was probably thirty, forty. Well, being a square town, it was probably forty bucks. If you wanted to buy it for a friend and you to play together, you probably had to plunker down eighty bucks. Nowadays, you can grab them. Uh, you can grab those online for about fifteen dollars after postage. So for thirty bucks, uh, you're going to be able to grab an extra copy for a friend and say, "Hey, here's a game I want to play on the DS together. I'm even giving you the copy so that we can, yeah. you know, we can play online." And it costs you less than Pokemon Black and White. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I'd say the the biggest the biggest problem with this game, which I would be ashamed with myself if I didn't mention it, is it's only got one save slot, which Ooh. for this for this kind of title is a bit annoying, you know, because for, for this type of game, you know, you'd often want to make multiple different kinds of characters, yeah, you know, maybe, and you know that was kind of a big downside. You can you can actually you know the the AI controlled characters you actually go and make so you can actually make them and then switch to one of them if you need to but um, you know you can't actually create a new character and start the game over from the beginning mm. which wow. um, maybe you need to buy extra copies of the game just so you can do <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh. but so is it the best thing? You know, you can find out there. No, but you know, for the it's it's decent. It's a decent little action RPG. Hmm. Okay. And it and it's not as expensive to set up as the original Crystal Chronicles. Well, unless 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 you don't have the DSs. <laughs> Even whoa, yeah. Oh, if you don't, wow. If you don't I have myself there. Now wait. Oh, I, I, maybe you know the answer to this. If you're using the Wii, can yes. both people play off that same Wii at the same time, like with two uh, different uh, Wii controllers? No. Oh well, that forget Be- that. Screw no. Because because it's just it's you know it's just an emulated. Right. Version. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's you can play with people on the DS. Uh, I know you can do that online. I don't know about local multiplayer, but you can play with people online if for some reason you don't have a DS and want to play this with your friends. Mm. But but I'd almost say it w- if you wanted to do that, it might be worth it to invest in a DS anyway. <laughs> uh, so there you go. I think those are some good thoughts there. We'll leave with that, and we'll move on to the last remnant. Uh, now this Yay. is this is the this is the PC version. Um, that's why you know because some people are probably thinking to themselves, "Wow, that game's been out for longer than two years." Well, <laughs> on the Xbox, it has, but on the on the PC, it came out a couple of, a couple of years ago. An interesting interesting little story is that um, the last remnant is probably the game that triggered my Steam addiction um, <laughs> because. I saw it in the store on the disc uh, a couple of years ago, and my uh, my my wife and I were looking at it. It was forty bucks, and she said, "Well, do you want to get it?" And I and I had said to her, "Well, I, you know, it was an Xbox 360 title. I didn't read too many reviews um, because I don't have an, a 360, so I wasn't really quite sure how good or bad the game was, but." 
it had pretty pictures on the box. <laughs> so, and it was made by Square. How bad could it be? So I went ahead and I bought it. I took it home and installed it, and it said, you must activate this game on Steam to play. Now, at the time, I maybe I had a, an active Steam account, but I only had a couple of games on it. I didn't like the idea of, of, of Steam and having to have these games that had to be managed in an online account. It just seemed like an intrusion of privacy. And I didn't read the small print on the box that said, you know, Steam account or Steam activation or something along those lines. So I had to go ahead and, you know, get back into my Steam account, reset my password because I had forgotten it, and get that game activated, you know, through there. Yeah. Once I had done that, and I, you know, I got more into Steam, and nowadays I have like 300 games. <laughs> so, like they say, the rest is <laughs> the rest is uh, the rest is history. So, um, this isn't a Steam, Steam podcast, though. But I, I like to get those little stories in sometimes. Yeah. The, the um, uh, so the last uh, the last Remnant uh, is another one of those games that I personally haven't put a lot of time into. My wife actually played it um, a little bit. I kind of watched her from the side, and one of my uh, best friends played it all the way through. And uh, gave me play-by-play detail, and it sounds like a very deep and interesting game. But you, you've actually put some time into this, right? A decent amount, yeah. Um, and I actually had a similar experience in that I hadn't used Steam a lot uh, prior to this game. And you know, when I found out that you know it had to be activated through Steam, you know, I didn't was kind of unsure about that until I realized that it meant that I wouldn't have to have the CDs in and if I ever lost them I'd be able to re-download the game. Mm-hmm. And you know, that kind of clicked for me, but you know, I had tried a little bit of the Xbox version which was an absolute mess and you know, here all those issues are gone. Like if you if you had if you know, if you've never played the PC version, you know, all all the loading issues, you know, a lot of the performance issues and everything like that, they're just they're just gone. I don't know how, to, how else to say it. Like uh this this is the version I wish they had released to begin with. Hmm. Yeah, cuz it did address a number of those 360 issues. Yeah. But um I think the easiest way to ex- kind of give people an idea of what this game is like is, you know, you've kind of got somewhat typical uh, Japanese RPG combat, only instead of controlling individual characters, instead individual characters are replaced by groups of characters. So instead of, like, you know, you have four characters and you give them each commands and then those play out, you're giving four groups commands and then those play out which may makes for some interesting battles and it, it it's a really neat idea that hmm. i'd probably i'd probably like to see put in tried out in some more games uh wh- what are your experiences with the battle system um i actually didn't get into that <laughs> no <laughs> other than that very first one which is like oh wow but everything that you know that that my friend had told me um, about the battle system, so it basically sounded to me almost like ogre battle, but kind of like more in real time. Is that does um, that come because you got these different groups that you're kind of controlling that you're in charge of, and you're giving them kind of general AI orders as opposed to individually controlling each one of them? Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good comparison. You know, other than for the individual battles, I mean, it's not anything like you know how ogre battles like a kind of like a real-time strategy game. It's not anything like that. Just like the individual battles, like an ogre battle where, you know, you'd kind of just watch over and maybe interfere every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, I'd say that's a good comparison. 
you know, a lot a lot of what you're you're gonna do in the game could involve like pre battle preparation and maybe less so in the actual battles. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I mean, and and so he really, I think, if you're the kind of person who who can enjoy those are those types of RPGs that are a little bit more strategic and a little bit more pulled back, um, he was really really getting into it. But I know other ones of my uh, other people that I know really couldn't get into it because they found that that kind of layering of the game to be uh, unapproachable for them. They're more accustomed to a more traditional approach to. Uh, how their RPGs are resolved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're the type of person that needs like absolute control down to the smallest detail, you'd want to avoid this game like the plague. Uh, but you know, if if that's not a problem for you, then I definitely think it's an interesting game that's worth checking out. You know, the story is interesting enough, um, decent voice acting, and um, you know, the graphics are. Really oh, nice they're thing. very nice. Yeah, I mean, this is yes. definitely Square Enix's work, and 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 uh, f- when I saw that, it was actually the game that we also used to test uh, on my wife's new Windows Seven computer. Um, just to, you know, because we knew it just had it has really nice, definitely nice looking graphics. You can uh, it looks like something that comes out of uh, Final Fantasy Online or something like that. At least that type of design work, um, yeah. but with more detail. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh... They really made this game was made using the uh, Unreal Engine. They really made good use of it. So, you know, it it almost seems like um, they kind of rushed out the 360 version, which is kind of a shame because I think if that the whatever the first version had been had been you know kind of a more sound technically, it may have been received a lot better than it was. Mm. Because I I doubt too many people rushed out to buy the PC version when it came out. Yeah, and it's it's really a shame too. I mean, and it, but and one one other thing I'll definitely mention though, it was a little hard to get start up. Part of that was because it's really used to having an Xbox controller. So if you got one of those official PC Xbox controllers, you'll be fine. If not, it does allow you to go in and change the settings. But for the life of me, on my PC. I would change the settings, and it wouldn't save the fact that they were changed. It took me hours of searching on the board to figure out that it had to do with the directory it was saved in and where my documents was at and all this other BS. It just took me forever to figure that out, and nobody else had this problem. That's, it wasn't a quick solution, but my wife's computer, it worked, it worked just fine right from the get-go, and you can go and you can change. I, I will say there are a lot of uh, – when you get a lot of these ports, a lot of times they don't let you change the controller settings. They're made specifically to work with Xbox controllers, and if you're using yeah. something like a Logitech, or something like I was playing Transformers, it doesn't work. <laughs> so, and it doesn't let you change the settings. So, you have to get really fancy with your drivers or something. But the last remnant was refreshing in the fact that you could actually go in and set those keys uh, the way that you want um, and set your graphic option. It had a lot of options. I think, as far as ports go, like you said, the improvements from the 360 version uh, makes this the makes this definitive uh, version to own if you like the game and you you know you could have both. Uh, this is the one you probably want to play, but um, but with the uh, you know graphics are just going to look better on the computer because they added uh, those graphical options, and the PC can crunch more than a, than an Xbox can. Absolutely. So, you know, I was just thinking. You know, this was originally supposed to come out on the PS3, and I kind of wish that they had somehow released that on the PS3 first because I doubt it would have had you know a lot of the issues that the 360 had. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, this I really you know this it, it it's a really good game that kind of got a got treated pretty unfairly just because yeah. you know the 360 version was terrible. But it's it's absolutely worth checking out, and you know being on Steam. I'm sure you can find it for like five dollars if you wait for the right sale. Right. I was, now that was my next point. Of course, I'd like to talk about the price a little bit at the end. And um, unfortunately, if you go and rush out to buy it right now after hearing our uh, our praise uh, sung for this game, you're going to find that it's sitting at forty dollars. But yeah. uh, anybody who's a Steam follower will tell you just wait for the right sale and you can pick it up for a song. I know that it wasn't even that long ago that they had the Square Enix sale, uh, which included all these Square Enix games. It probably included Last Room as well as some of the Lara Croft games. I think that's under Square Enix umbrella now. Um, yeah. uh, so it had all these really great games. It was a total of $80. Um, so wait for one of those or just wait for it to go on sale. Um, I mean, if you can find a brand new sealed-in-the-box disc for a low price, uh, then you could use that code and redeem it online uh, with Steam. But make sure it's sealed and in the box brand new because obviously you, know, you can't buy a Steam game used even if it came in a box uh, yeah. because it'll be redeemed on that person's account. So, you know what's interesting about the box copies is I think I actually got mine for pretty cheap, but it's actually been like skyrock skyrocketing up in price. Like I remember somebody I know was looking for it and they were seeing it for like fifty dollars or more. Mm-hmm. Which you know even more than what it's going for on Steam, which is odd. But. Hmm. So yeah, you might be better off just waiting for a Steam sale, which you know those those always come around and it's bound to go on sale again. Mm-hmm. Yep. So definitely wait for it and pick it up. I mean, it, I would say, I mean, I paid forty bucks for it, and I, it, despite the fact that I haven't had a lot of time to play with it, <laughs> I don't, I, I honestly don't regret it because it is, it is a good game, and and when I do get to sit down and play with it, I know I'm going to really enjoy it. Um, so uh, as long as you're willing to, as long as you want really to try something that's different outside the box, as far as how the combat is resolved, and and whatnot, you're going to have a really fun time with this. It's definitely yeah. a deep and and and. Um, yeah, so we won't talk about. Okay, we'll move on to the next one. We're kind of dragging on here. Um, the next one is well, we're dragging on because I really don't want to go on to the next one. <laughs> Fantasy Star Portable. No. Oh, I no. said it. This one was this one was developed by Sonic Team and Alpha Systems, published by shamefully published by Sega, and it was released in North America on March the third, two thousand and nine. This one was rated T for trash. And um, <laughs> I just, oh man, fantasy stuff. Well, I, I shouldn't beat up on it because there's actually a game that's worse than that coming up. But <laughs> I, I should save my best jokes for that one. So, what, what, what game is worse? That's, you know what? I I don't remember the full list. So yeah, it's I coming. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll I'll save you the surprise though. All right. So uh, the <laughs> so um uh yeah, fantasy star portable. Wow, what's Wow. Where well, do we start? If you liked Fantasy Star Universe, was there anybody that liked Fantasy Star Universe? Nobody I know of. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what to say about this game. I mean, I understand why it was made, you know, trying to ca- get it cash in on those the Monster Hunter craze, but... Uh, so... 
part of the problems is that you know it's kind of intended to be somewhat of an MMO, but yeah. it, it um, but it doesn't do a really good job of doing that. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of grinding. There's a lot of missions which really don't seem to contribute to a larger uh, story. Um, they're very formulaic. So you kind of feel like you're doing the same things over and over again, whether it's at level one or level twenty or so on. Um, there's and since it's originally intended to be an MMO, there's just irritating things that came in even into the single player mode. You can't pause the game, for example, even when you're in single player. Uh, the game can only be saved in a central town hub, um, which doesn't make it great for gaming on the go, where you're normally pausing and saving wherever the heck that you need to. I mean, heck, I'm playing Ease. Chronicles, which was a remake of the very first Ease from, what, 1988? <laughs> and that game at least lets me save anywhere. I mean, shoot. This one? No. Can't do that. Um, I think I think it was actually even 987 to make it even older. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so And so you gotta wonder why they even bother with the, with the single-player mode when clearly from top to bottom this was meant to be played uh, you know, multiplayer. But then, so you take something that that feels like an MMO, tastes like an MMO, smells like an MMO, but there's just one teeny tiny problem. It's not an MMO. It's not an MMO. It's ad hoc. <laughs> ad hoc. Uh. So you have to find like three other people or two or whatever. You got to get these people together with the same copy of the game and sit down and play this ad hoc. Uh. Even the game we were just talking about, Crystal, whatever, doohickeys. You could do yeah. that through the Nintendo thingy over the net. This one has to be done, you know, pretty much ad hoc. And um, and uh, and I like this comment. One of the comments that Adrian put on his review, our very own Adrian and Odin, uh, review this. He said on <laughs> he said um, Fancy Star Portable seems uh, like it was designed for a subculture that simply doesn't exist in North America. The same subculture that plays Monster Hunter Freedom in Japan on this side of the on the this side of the Pacific, you'll be hard pressed to find three nearby people who own PSPs, let alone three <laughs> people who own the game. Well, you know, the the thing is, you know, Monster Hunter, you can get into that even if you don't have anybody to play with. Mm-hmm. This, even if you have people to play with, is kind of boring. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and part of part of you know, Monster Hunter. I was talking about the friend who plays on that on the Wii. At least he can get online. And play with yeah. other people, even if it's complete strangers. That's what playing an MMO, you know, that that's part of what an MMO brings to the table. You know what? I, I play World of Warcraft. I'll be honest. I never meet my friends on there. I play with complete strangers. Without those strangers, it's kind of even World of Warcraft is kind of a, you know, kind of an empty <laughs> game, even with all of its good stuff in it. But yeah, this just unfortunately was just I, I made for a different type of culture that sits around where you got twenty people on a train and they all just happen to have the same game popped in, and that's not here in America. Yeah. So. But- you know, even worse than that, it's, you know, if you take a really mediocre console game and port it to a uh, portable, it's, without changing too much, it's still a mediocre game. So, you know, yeah. Fantasy Star Universe wasn't good, and this isn't. Yeah, good. this isn't. isn't. So, let's, <laughs> let's not dwell on the negative. Let's move on yes. to Avalon Code. Well, before, well... The good news is that the sequel is a bit better and does have online play. Oh, oh, but, you mean on Fantasy Portable? There's, yes, there's but another never sequel? mind that. Let's talk about Avalon Code. Oh, I didn't know there was a sequel. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there is a sequel, and it is better. So if for some reason you need to play one of these games, skip immediately to the sequel. 
So, um, so let's talk about Avalon Code. This is um, Avalon Code was developed by Matrix Software, uh, published in North America by Marvelous Entertainment and uh, Xseed Games. Um, this is released on March 10, 2009 on another Nintendo DS RPG. It was definitely a, a good time for lots of RPGs on the DS. Uh, and this is an action RPG experience rated E10 for people who are older than me. So, <laughs> so um, Avalon Code was another one uh, – was, was, uh, was one in a number of RPGs that came out on the DS around this time, which, uh, in my opinion, had a lot of strength with some negatives. There wasn't yeah. any really clear-cut – there might have been one or two, but there really wasn't any clear-cut RPG kings coming out. Rather, uh, a gluttony of these kind of good RPGs or semi-good RPGs that brought some good ideas to the table but were held back by a few things. Now, have you played Avalon Code? Uh, I played a bit of it. I really um, – maybe it just wasn't what I was looking for at that time, but I really couldn't get into it and eventually ended up returning it. Um, uh, you know, it, it's a neat idea. I was, I guess I was just looking for – I don't know. I'm always looking for something like Secret of Mana and never finding it. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think that's Avalon Code's fault. But it's definitely a neat idea. Maybe and, if you just and, go ahead and talk about the big mechanic in the game. <laughs> the the uh, the um uh, the the whole thing with the book. Yeah. Yeah, the book. So I mean, one of the <laughs> so you have this book. You you got this book of prophecies. It's very important to the whole gameplay. It's something about the plot. You're supposed to be gathering as much uh, information and whatnot and putting it into this book, right? Yeah, and so you'll be able to uh, you'll be able to find uh, data from all over the world. There's tons of data to find. Uh, you'll be able to find collect data from monsters and characters, mem- items in the game, uh, puzzles, the whole night. There's all kinds of stuff you put into the book. Uh, this sounds like a really great concept. I, I mean, you know, by manipulating the data in the book, you can create new items or maybe you know different things to help you out. So that sounds pretty cool. The problem was in the execution. Uh, the there's there's uh, the book of prophecies is very cumbersome to handle. Every time you go into the menu, it would take. My friend would complain to me how long it took him to get done whatever it was he was trying to get done because it just wasn't organized very well. Or looking something up when you're dealing with all this data, if it's not organized well, it can it can take a while. And uh, it doesn't have, for example, it doesn't really have a, a search engine of any sort. When you're collecting <laughs> all this data, you need some easy way to search through it to get to where you're looking through really fast or an index page or, or something. Um, I mean, there is an index page to get you to the categories, but it doesn't go into detail as far as getting you to the different items and stuff that you need to get to uh, quickly. So, um, yeah, it, it just didn't really work well in execution. The menus um, and whatnot just really slowed down the game and got uh, my friend very frustrated because I originally was going to get this game and listening to him just gripe and gripe and gripe about getting through the <laughs> menus and stuff kind of <laughs> turned me off to it. Um, so, um, uh, yeah. So take 
take that for what it's worth. Um, I mean, the, the, their, the combat was definitely fun. He liked it. Um, and looking at Adrian's review, he also said that he liked the comedy. He said it was simplistic and fast. Various types of weapons to handle. So there are definitely some things to like about this game. I, I want to say, you know, if, if you like Legend of Zelda and that type of game, but you want something that's steeper, this is good as long as you understand you're going to be dealing with this pain in the rear end book where you're collecting these informations and you're manipulating the things in the book to discover new items and things like that. So keep in mind that, you know, that this is a big hampering point for a lot of players. And if you're an extremely patient person, it doesn't, you know, that, that, doesn't mind spending your time flipping through pages <laughs> a lot, <laughs> then you you probably get something out of this. And I mean, at the end of the day, despite its setbacks, um, and Adrian mentions the same design uh, problems in his review that my friend kept telling me about. Um, so I think this is something that's universally disdained across the board, but Adrian still enjoyed the game and gave it a 3.5 out of 5. So it's by no means a bad game. It's just one that you have to understand what you're getting into, understand the flaws about the game that you're getting into it, and if you can approach it with that patience at hand, uh, you can actually have some fun with this. Hmm. With a lot of sounds patience. Like, yeah. <laughs> sounds like I should give it another try. As long as you have the patience. Now, I will I will personally absolutely admit to not being a patient gamer. You just heard me go off on Pokemon because I think the battles take a little <laughs> too long. You know, they take 30 seconds instead of 10 seconds. Um, I'm that kind of uh, gamer um, uh, lately anyways because my time's been kind of pressed. But, uh, yeah, uh, for those of you with with a little bit more time and a little bit more patience, it does look like a pretty decent game. Um, my friend actually did play through quite a bit of it. I can't remember if he completed it or not, so apparently it wasn't like he was slamming it down from the first minute or the first hour or anything like that. You can actually, you know, I, I think um, I think maybe paying 30 or 40 bucks might have been too much with that consideration in mind. But nowadays you can pick it up for under 20 bucks um, mm. off of eBay or Half.com. So check it out. That one is Avalon Code. Any other thoughts that you'd like to add about Avalon Code before we move on to the pink elephant in the room? Yes. Um, <laughs> even the best game ideas can be ruined by poor UI design. Yeah. Developers, please, please, double-check please. the UI design. We're begging you. <laughs> it's very, very important. Mm-hmm. So... This next game, I don't believe it was held back by its UI problems, but rather some other problems. Manichaemia Student Alliance. Oh, dear God. For the PSP. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Uh, let's just say you know you got a winner on your hands when, from the moment you start the game, you go through this long series of loading screens. Like, it's, at some point, you actually think there's a loading screen for the loading screen. <laughs> I just, I mean, literally, I mean, uh, and I'll read, uh, I'll read this paragraph from Alex Reimer's review. He says, one of the key problems of Student Alliance is the technical gremlins. From the moment the game starts, a frequent series of load screens bombard the player. Every place and screen must be loaded separately, and many times two load screens pop up while heading deeper into a dungeon or returning to school. When the game stops loading, a new set of issues arise in the form of frequent lag. Opening menus almost always meets with slowdown, but lag can occur nearly any time without cause. So this was, you know, this was, the, you know, the initial impression, and I, I, I praise this guy because he went through all fifty hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, the, the worst part about this is that the game is actually 
good. You know, it's a port of a PS2 game. The game itself is actually good, and it's just painful to that it's so marred by these awful technical issues. Like, uh, I I have I got it from a PSN. You know, and you'd think as a download, it wouldn't have as many issues. But, you know, the load times still aren't great. And I've also had all, on several occasions, parts where the game will just freeze on me. And the only way I've been able to fix it is by popping in the actual disc-based version and, like, continuing past a certain point, And then I can switch back to the download version, which is awful. Uh, so even with, so I was about to just say, uh, you know, so you've confirmed what I've been told through my other sources is that, even if you have the USB version, it doesn't help. No, it doesn't. And, uh, the load times are a little better, but you're likely to run into other issues. Mm-hmm. And and what's funny is I, I've heard that the version we got actually has better load times than the original Japanese version, which I can't even begin to imagine. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. So, I you know what I I I you know and I won't go too much into the the actual game itself. I mean, suffice to say, if you, if you don't know this already, um, you know, Manicamia is actually a, a decent uh, traditional um, JRPG style type of game, and and I know we have a lot of JRPG fans that listen to this, and we'll just tell you if you're looking for uh, you know a traditional you know this type of experience. Do yourself a favor and just grab the PlayStation version. It's like... Yes, please. Just please. do yourself a huge favor. Stay away from... Yes, we'd love to play these things in the palm of our hand. I, I, I adore playing JRPGs uh, in the palm of my hand because I can watch TV at the same time. As I mentioned before, JRPGs can be pretty thoughtless at times. And so they're perfect for sitting in front of the TV and watching something else while you're playing with them. But in this particular case, don't do it. No. <laughs> it's No, it's, it's not worth it. Even even if you've played the original and you really like it and you'd really like it to like to have it on the go, it's not worth it. No. So um, you, go ahead. That said, it, it it's a really kind of neat idea, and you know I'd call it JRPG Harry Potter. Yeah, it's actually it's actually you know a pretty a pretty cute a pretty cute game. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 got some interesting. Yeah, it's got that whole Harry Potter feel to it and whatnot. And um, it, it, it's actually one that I actually do have for my PlayStation too, because uh, because it definitely looks like a game I want to get into. But don't get it on the PSP. Um, yeah. You can actually get that. Uh, you can actually get that at eBay or something like that for around twenty five dollars on the PlayStation, which is where you should get it. Yes. Um, if you have your, uh, if you have a copy, you might have to pay some of the PSP version. You might have to pay somebody to take it off your hands. <laughs> um, so that's all I'm gonna say about that. Well, we got one more game, and hopefully this one will end on a little bit more of a positive note. Um, we're gonna be talking about Suikoden Tear Grease. Yes. And I'm hopefully I'm pronouncing it right because we all know how much I love to slaughter names on RPG Backtrack. Um, I believe that's correct. I think before I knew the correct pronunciation, I used to call it Sukadin or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, because that kind of thing, they, you know, they don't pronounce the name of the game, game and the game itself or anything. So unless you hear somebody pronounce it correctly, you know, you have no idea. But so you, 
So you enjoy JRPGs with really quick battle systems, right? Right, but hold on. Let me give it his official introduction. All right, all right. So we get into Tigris is developed and published by Konami uh, for your Nintendo DS, released in North America on March 17, 2009. This is a console RPG experience, and it is rated E10. 10 is how many seconds you have. Go! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so please, now this is actually you're not going to hear me say too much about this because uh, I I I am I do like the Suikoden series. I'm I won't call myself a diehard fan, but I do own most of the Suikoden games. But I'm not so much of a fanboy that I buy the bad Suikoden games, uh, or if I do, I just use them as coffee coasters. Um, so Suikoden, when when Tearcrease came out. Um, I think the the reception was somewhat mixed, and I think you're going to give us some some enlightenment on that. Uh, but I just want to say that I, because of that mixed reaction, none of my friends picked it up, and with no recommendations from my direct friends, and the reviews looking somewhat mixed, um, I decided to just put it in the back of my head. So here we are, two years later, and this is why we do this segment. I want I'm actually now going to be an audience member and hear what you have to say, so you can help me make up my decision. Should I, you know, should I maybe go back and get this now that it's been a couple? years and it's a little bit cheaper so tell me what it is well essentially what i think i called it this before i would call it a suikoden flavored jrpg like one of the 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 best things about this the suikoden series is um you know the stories aren't always you're saving the world and you're a bunch of plucky teenagers you know they're a lot they're usually a lot more interesting than that and you know that's and another big draw of the series is um, the different kinds of battles. You know, you're getting one of the cool things about the series as well is you're collecting. I'm going to look awful now because I can't remember how many, what the number of characters each of them has is. I'm going to look like the worst Suikoden fan ever. Uh, but wait, wait, are you going to tell me I can't get 108 stars of Destiny or 120 that's or whatever? That's it. 100. I think I think it's 108. 108. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, so you know, you, that's the cool part about the series. You can you're trying to find and track down all those different characters, and there's also. Most of the games have several different kinds of battles. You know, you got your standard mm-hmm. party against party combat. Um, you know, large battles between armies and even duels. And you know, I think some of the other games might have some other kinds. Sweeken and Four probably had ship combat, but that one's terrible. So yeah, we that one's <laughs> we we ignore that one. <laughs> so you know, Sweeken and Oh god, how do you pronounce it again? Uh, Tycrease? Tearcrease? Tearcrease? I guess. I'm going to call it Suikoden DS. Okay, there you go. Perfect. Suikoden DS doesn't have those other kinds of battles. And its story is kind of a save the world kind of story. And you're controlling a bunch of plucky teenagers. So, for fans of the series, I can completely understand how they'd look at that and be completely turned off by it but the good the good thing is that it's actually a pretty good game um it's got the you know the really quick battles that the series is known for you can still you know collect all those characters story is interesting and kind of ties in with the rest of the series um i don't know if the localization is the the best but it's not 
like horrible or anything like that. It's not Arkwright's Fantasia. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, it's not the best thing ever, but it's not as bad as Suikoden 4 by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the price is probably going to, for now. It's, you know, it's a long and pretty big RPG. I'd say it's definitely something that people should check, should check out. And, if they're new to the series, go straight from that to the series proper. Yeah, because you can get you know you can get the first one off the PlayStation Network store because I've yes. got that. We're waiting with a beta breath for the second one, but I heard it. Is it coming? Have you heard that the second uh, one's coming to PlayStation Network? I haven't heard anything, and I know there were some issues with the original release, but hmm. uh, like I remember there, I remember hearing that there's. A town in the game, it might not be till like the post game that is completely untranslated or something. But, you know, I mean, we're getting some games on the PSN that are, you know, Japanese imports without any translation, so I can't see how that would be a big issue. But I, no, I haven't really heard anything about it. And it, it'd be really nice to have considering how expensive the second game is. Mm-hmm. And. You know, I think Sweeten and Two is probably one of would be fit into that category of greatest games that no one's ever played. So what? Just what? Because it's expensive. Well, what? Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Sweeten and Two. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, freaking arm and a leg. <laughs> That's why I refuse I, to. I will. You know, if it comes out on PlayStation Network, great. If not, then Lord knows I won't play it again. I did. I did originally own it. I, I wish I had held on to it because uh, I held on to most of them uh, because I'd be a rich little monkey right now. Do you want to know something awful? What's that? I paid I paid one hundred and eighteen dollars for it. O M double G. I don't regret it. No, it's it's a good game. Just make sure you sell it before it comes before they announce it for the PlayStation. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That is, I mean, it it won't dip in price all the way, but it'll dip in price if if it ever gets a re release. Yeah. Um. So, um, and then you would get you could get three and five easily enough, I'm sure, uh, for the PlayStation Two. Uh, but of course, yep. you want to skip four. Just four didn't yeah, happen. Four. four, four, just yeah, just ignore that. I don't now. know. Is is Tactics any good? Um, you know that's a oh, so we could in Tactics, right? I, I actually yeah. do have that one. That one kind of came. I didn't play super far into it, so I wouldn't be able to compare it with the storylines or anything like that. But the the combat itself was very traditional. Uh, very traditional uh, tactical RPG type of stuff. Nothing too terribly deep or anything like that. Uh, it was. It, it didn't grab my attention, so it kind of went back on the shelf and went in the backlog. It, it didn't really do anything to make me jump out and say, yeah, this is what I want to do. So, about uh, going back to Suikoden for a minute, um, you sound like you like it. And, I do. And, and, uh, and Jason uh, Schreer, on, uh, who did the staff review, agrees with you. So my question is, what specifically about this? Let's let's separate from the other Suikodins for a minute. What specifically okay. about this game makes it stand a little bit taller, worthy of getting a four out of five that Jason gave it? What what makes it stand heads and shoulders above some of these other uh, shallowware games that we were talking about? <laughs> well, I'd say one of the things is the combat system. You know, you know. Every, Apart from everything else that's been taken out of the series, there it doesn't have that the rest of the series has. It's got that really quick and really fun combat that uh, even probably goes quicker than some of the game, some than uh, three and five. Because I know 
as good as 5 was, it had some loading time issues. So it moves quickly, which mm-hmm. is something that people really like about the first two games in the, in the series. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, got, it's got that. It's got a really good visual look to it. I'd say it kind of has that early PlayStation 1 style where you've got like the, the pre-rendered backgrounds and kind of got blocky... 3D characters moving around on it, although they certainly look better than, say, Final Fantasy VII. Um, you know, it's just it's a you know, it's a pretty large game too. You know, it's considering how many ports and things like that there are on the DS. It it's nice to have a kind of fully featured RPG that was developed directly for the system. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of you know, kind of like uh, Dragon Quest IX. It feels like it feels instead of you know taking a console game and shrinking it down for the system, it feels like something really designed for the system. So, in that respect, it's really good. Um, you know, and it's got a really good art style for it. You know, I it's it's just a good game. You what know, did, what did you think about the story? Uh, I like the story. You know, it's it deals with kind of parallel dimensions, and that's. You know, kind of a story element that I always enjoy, um, which is probably why I enjoy the TV show Fringe so much. Uh, but you know that it's an interesting concept to that you don't typically see in an RPG. Um, so it's got that going for it, you know. So, um, I'm trying to think what else I can say about the story. It it can be a little too chatty at times, which is something that a lot of Japanese RPGs have an issue with lately. But nothing too terrible. Uh, there's some interesting characters. It's it does have some voice acting in it, which is you know a bonus for a DS RPG. And the the voice acting is surprisingly good. So you know it just it just feels. Feels like a big, a big, t- a big experience for a DS RPG. Now, um, interestingly enough, there the 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 demand for this game apparently supports your opinions because really the price has not gone down significantly. Really? A, on eBay, I'm having a hard time finding something that after shipping is less than maybe what I could buy it for brand new from the store. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it, 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 it's it's ranging anywhere after shipping from 30 on up. If you buy it brand new off of Amazon where they apparently only have three copies in stock. Um, <laughs> actually, it's not even sold from Amazon. It's one of those third-party deals. Um where they just done through the Amazon website, uh, so I don't. Uh, but anyways, they're saying three left in stock, and that's thirty-seven dollars plus shipping, which comes out to forty. So you're looking mm. thirty to forty dollars. So it, two years after the fact, is it still worth thirty to forty bucks in your mind? I would say so. Yes, um, considering some of the shovelware we talked about, uh, this one is still worth the original price. I would say. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Mm, that's. That will be our last game there, and I'm just looking through to see if I can find any better deals on eBay at the time. And, <laughs> and, uh, and we're going to leave our, our listeners with that. Uh, Mr. Raps, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure going through uh, these 
eight <laughs> wonderful little <laughs> blessings <laughs> together. Yeah, that was fun. Blessings and curses and stuff. Taking a little trip through March. It was it was definitely a month for uh, uh, portable RPGs, if nothing else. Um, I'll say. Yeah, I mean, just one. Constant. I didn't even realize all those came out in the same month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the most part, yeah. Um, did you have anything you want to say to everybody before we left? Um, this weekend in series is awesome. Please support it so that they'll maybe. I don't know. I guess you could buy buy the uh, Weekend in one on PSN, since that's probably the only one they're still making money from. Maybe yeah. Maybe if enough people buy the first one, we'll get the second one, and then that copy you yes. spent a hundred bucks for will be worth ten bucks. And then maybe eventually we'll get a Weekend in six. Though probably oh. not. Is there has, is there one in Japan? No, okay. there's there's none none in Japan. Not too many rumors that it'll happen. So. Ah. Not not looking too good for this series, but it was great while it lasted. Well, there's the thought. Everybody, go out and buy Suikoden right now. Do it. Make it so. PlayStation Network. It's like ten bucks or something like that. There's a lot of good games on the PlayStation Network. Yeah. It's actually only five ninety nine. Oh, five five ninety nine. Uh, you know, and that's yeah. actually something we used to do on Backtrack from 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 time to time and whatnot. As we would talk about. Um, some of the um, uh, some of the games that kind of came out on the PlayStation Network, and I know there was, well, I mean, for the last few months they they slowly were releasing Arc the Lad. I think they got all those guys out now, right? Uh, Arc the Lad. Mm-hmm. Yes, those are all out now. One through three, and the was Arc the Lad Arena or something. Yeah, and I don't even remember yeah. if that was really good or not. I I don't know either. Yeah, they got um. And it wasn't too long ago they came out with oh my gosh what is that one vagrant is it vagrant story vagrant vagrant story yeah yeah from the from the creator of Final Fantasy Tactics and Ogre Battle mm-hmm. I, I can't remember the guy's name that one and that one that's a PlayStation One uh, classic uh, RPG type of thing it, it was definitely different the way the combat system the way you you uh, beefed up his weapons and stuff the more you attack the more affinity a weapon would get against a certain creature and you had to balance all this with your inventory of weapons it was pretty tedious in the way it worked some people liked it considered it considered it to that, that that it was good depth to the game other people felt that it was needlessly complicated uh, did you get to play too far in it. No, to be honest, uh, I had never actually played it until like a few weeks ago. Uh, and the funny thing is I actually found a pretty good deal for disc only. I think it was like $13. And then, you know, a few days after I got it, they announced that it was coming to PSN <laughs> for five ninety nine. Five ninety nine. Yeah. Um, uh, so. which, which, yes, I did buy it again. Again, yeah, just to have it on the <laughs> – just to be able to put it on the PSP. Um, exactly. Front, Front Mission 3 wasn't that long ago as well, and, and I, I, anybody who's listened to all of the podcasts here knows my love for Front Mission 3. Uh, just an absolute awesome tactical RPG from top to bottom. Um, heads heads and shoulders above its time and, and stands right up there, in my opinion, with Final Fantasy Tactics. As long as you, oh, wow. Yeah, as long as you can get past the fact that it's kind of a gritty future because it has to do with robots and the and the fan the fantasy part of it isn't quite as captivating because it's japan <laughs> but it's in this scenario people are finding it's a lot it's politically kind of deep 
Um, yeah, of course, I'm the kind of, type of gamer that cares more about the, the the actual gameplay mechanics and the storyline. To put this game in perspective, it, it takes a long time to get through. I remember my playthrough was 80 hours or so, and you got to understand, oh. I don't complete games that take 20 hours. So <laughs> to get through a game that, that take 80 hours, especially knowing that I don't care about the storyline, means that the gameplay itself was so much fun. I had people come over to my house and just watch me play. And then, granted, this is the PlayStation 1 days when 3D was first really you know becoming popular. And, and you'd watch these mechs just tear each other apart with missiles and pull off these special skills mm. and stuff. It was just, it was just absolutely, absolutely fun. And the bomb and and the battles were pretty close a lot of times. So you know, having a well balanced team and uh, knowing your strengths and weaknesses and using some tactics on the battlefield were integral for your success. Um, so definitely can't recommend that one enough. And for five or ten bucks or whatever it is uh, on the PlayStation Network, you pop that guy in your your you're portable and you're good to go. I wouldn't play it. I will say that since it used so much 3D graphics, unlike Final Fantasy Tactics, um, unfortunately what that means is it doesn't age too well. So if you go back and you play it on the big screen <laughs> on a plasma television, mm. it looks like crapola. But put it on your you know, PlayStation Portable where it kind of shrinks that down. And, yeah, it's, it's like okay all over again. <laughs> so last but not least, uh, Xenogears came out as well. No, no, I hate Xenogears. Uh, you know, I you know, be honest, I, I don't remember what it was about that game that made it such a cult classic. I don't either. I don't either. So take that with a grain of salt. And actually, <laughs> I think the best game, and I, I I went ahead and bought it just because it's a it's an RPG and stuff, and I'm an RPG fanatic. But um, to be honest, I'm not even sure. Yeah, hopefully I'll figure out what pe- – I, I really kind of curious to see why people ha- – why that game has such a following. Actually, the best yeah. – the best uh, I think the best uh, PSP game that I bought um, from the last – uh, on my little shopping spree to catch up with the latest PlayStation Network releases was Pac-Man. <laughs> Championship Edition. Awesome. Waka, Pac-Man. Waka, waka, waka. Uh, yeah, awesome waka, stuff. Waka, 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 waka. So – um, anywho, that's our show for tonight. <laughs> Woo! Uh, we're getting a little ditzy here, and I haven't even actually broke up the vodka yet or anything. Um, Mr. Apps, <laughs> I really appreciate you hanging out with me for this long tonight and getting through this show together. Um, our audience, of course, we always thank you. As a reminder, RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservan at rpgamer.com and help shape our future show. Don't forget to follow us on twitter.com slash rpgamer and become our biggest fan at our facebook.com slash rpgamer. As always, listen to our previous podcasts as well as our sister shows RPG Cast and RPG Sanctum, both found at rpgamer.com. And with that, we wish you all a great evening. 